Hello, Probus. Howdy, howdy, man. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of the weekly episodic comedy podcast, But It Was Aliens. I'm Moonwalker, your host for this week, and as always, I'm joined by Kevin LeGray. Beard. <laughs> LeGray. Me. This week, we take a trip to Mansfield, Ohio. Ohio. It's October 18th, 1973, and around 11 o'clock at night. Oh. Army Reserve Helicopter 68-15444 was flying over Mansfield when it was involved in a near mid-air collision. Was it a bird? Was it a plane? No. According to the crew, it was a UFO. A bona fide, unidentified flying object, John Boy. <laughs> Woo! John Boy? I haven't called you John Boy in years. Yo, mate. To call him John Boy or no? I know what you're thinking. Could it have been the Man of Steel himself? Could it have been Superman? He would be a UFO. He'd also be an alien. I have only one thing to say to you, Kebby Boy. <laughs> but it was aliens. I'm in oh. early. And you are too. Go on. Admit it. Admit it. <laughs> okay, from the look in your eyes, you need more. Okay. <laughs> All we know so far is there's been a collision in midair with a UFO. Well, we don't know. John that Boy. For definite. <laughs> the crew first observed a light on the horizon. Nothing unusual. They thought it was a light from a radio tower. Clever, logical thinking. But the crew chief noticed that the light was moving towards them. They were flying at approximately 2,500 feet at this point, and the light was heading straight for them. It's coming right for us! I'd just like to add in here that I just heard your tummy rumbling, which means that you're lying. My stomach doesn't go by the same rules as yours. <laughs> your tummy's got the rumbly, son. <laughs> that only hands can satisfy. <laughs> So a light on the horizon that starts coming towards them. It's coming right for us! Fit out their numbers! Could it be a mark on the windscreen? It wouldn't change if it was a mark on the windscreen. Well, you might change the angle you're looking at it. It was not a mark on the windscreen. Now this... Sure. <laughs> yes. All right. Now this Positive. wasn't... All right. <laughs> Are you certain, man? <laughs> this wasn't some kind of ragtag crew of misfits. We have the pilot in command, Captain Lawrence J. Coyne, his co-pilot, Lieutenant Arigo Jesse. Jesse. The Jesse Bell. Crew Chief SSG Robert Yanisik and SSG John Healy, the flight medic. We're gonna need a medic. Here is a picture of Lawrence J. Coyne. Uh, uh, Trust 
worthy looking army man. He looks like an ugly Tom Cruise. Like Tom, or, Tom Cruise is a handsome or man. This man is Tom Cruise a handsome <laughs> Lawrence J. Coyne. I mean, he could be. He's got that kind of Top Gun vibe going on, hasn't he? He does. But then he's, yeah. He's he looks like he could be the um, the major or whatever the rank is that Cruz would answer to. Corporal? Lieutenant? I think he's a lieutenant. Colonel? <laughs> so coin. Hold on. Just, just one point before you go on. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You said trustworthy eyes. <laughs> yes. He's got his eyes closed. I can't see no eye. <laughs> if you look closely, he's squinting. Yeah, but he's squinting so sun. much that you can't see anything. Just trust me. Trust worthy eyes. Mm. Okay. Coin looked to the right and noticed that the object was indeed heading right for them. It was getting bigger and brighter. He decided, like any sensible pilot, that he needed to take action. So he decided to descend to get out of its flight path. But this thing followed. He explains it was like a missile lock. Instead, it stayed at the side of them. They assumed the inevitable was going to happen, so they braced for impact. Except there wasn't one. The crew in the back of the helicopter shouted, Look up! What was heading towards them had now stopped directly in front and above them. Whoa, dude. So we've got several witnesses who have seen this. Several witnesses. Four, to be exact. Okay. We have four key witnesses. Four military men who all saw something coming behind them and then go on top of them. them. Was it... Did you say how big it was? Not yet, no. Are you going to cover how big it was? Yes. Because what I'm thinking at the moment is that if we've got four credible witnesses that have all saw this thing, then it's likely there was something... So now we need to distinguish as to whether it's a bird, a plane, (laughs) or Superman, or a drone, or something that manoeuvres in ways that we aren't aware we can, is where my mind is going. How's this thing move? Does it go like... It just sat there hovering (laughs) over them. Suddenly... A green light drops out from the bottom of the craft and swings into the helicopter, briefly blinding them. So the copter went down, I take it? When they opened their eyes, the whole helicopter cabin had been illuminated. Everything was green. Super green. Right, screw that frog. Continue. Their initial thought was that this was a high-performance fighter until it stopped directly in front of them. They said that from what they saw, it was cigar-shaped. There were no wings. It had no vertical or horizontal stabiliser. And the size of it? 60 foot long. Freaking hell. And 15 to 20 feet in height. 
so we've got a giant tic-tac on our hands. Remember, they were at 2,500 feet to start with mm-hmm. and descended. The reading when they descended was 1,700 feet. Coin cut the power to escape from the craft, but goes on to say that the craft started to slowly move away from them to the west. Thinking that they could be hurtling straight for the ground, Coin looked down at the altimeter and it read 3,500 feet. But it didn't stop. It was still climbing. It had risen nearly 2,000 feet in mere seconds and they didn't even know it. At this point, they had no control over the vehicle. They felt a bump at 3,800 feet and then regained control of the craft and descended again, bringing the helicopter down to 2,500 feet and continued on their way to Cleveland. They have no doubt in their minds that this was a UFO, a craft that can move at speeds in excess of 1,000 knots, which is 1,150 miles an hour, or 1,852 kilometers an hour. It was not out of the realms of possibility, though. In 1976, the fastest manned craft reached speeds of 2,193 miles an hour. So this may have been a prototype. But it wasn't just how fast it was that made them think this. It was also the fact that it could stop so abruptly, maintain altitude, and even change altitude. Hmm. Do you remember the Tic Tac video we watched where it turns so sharp? Yeah, yeah. And I was going to get onto that in a second, actually. I was just going to say it's not... Maintaining altitude and changing altitude by itself is not that ridiculous because anything can go up and down. But to stop dead... And then to change like direction or whatever, that's more unusual. What the hell is this case? Hmm. <laughs> did it? Did it shoot off at the end as well? So he mentions that it moves off slowly. Okay, I'd probably be quite in at this point. The only thing that's making me doubt is that they lit up green and then lost control themselves and the helicopter was taken over by the craft, I guess, is the assumption to make here. Mm-hmm. That strikes me as an unusual claim. It's not to say that I'm out. Lit up green. In the cockpit, they said, didn't they? Oh, by the light shining yeah. in. Super green, I Super think green. was the terminology you used. Yep. <laughs> So I'd like a little bit more information to unpick that element. Had it just been the sighting, that's very convincing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What's shocking is that the army didn't prevent the men from speaking about the incident. Coyne even spoke about the event at a United Nations meeting in 1978 under the sponsorship of Granada. Coyne's reputation before this event was high, and he was a good pilot. And I don't use the term good to discredit him either. And that didn't change afterwards. And below... The United Nations 
summit, I guess. Yes. So we can see what I assume is Greece, Granada, and Guatemala. Um, I'd just like to add that in this screenshot you're showing me, uh, the chap in the back left smoking his pipe is having a whale of a time. He's not paying attention at all. I'm wondering what's in that pipe. The chap in the middle at the back... That he's reading. The, the chap in the middle at the back is asleep. <laughs> he, he's completely out of it. He's clearly just and a coin. the one on the far right at the back has no idea what's going on. He looks so confused. <laughs> he's even, like, hmm? even that... Even that, where he's heard the snoring of the one in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> How could you be asleep? You're damn like these. When they got to their base in Cleveland, they made an official report, which I have a copy of. So this is a report from... I can't read the names. Is it Coin? It's been signed by four people, so I assume that's the four airmen. the four of them, yeah. Yes, it is. So they saw a red light, it got closer to them, no response received from the tower, no impact, describes the object. I've skim read it and I feel like I'm going to have to go back and read it in more detail because I can't see that it mentions about being taken over. The object instead, the object was reserved to hesitate momentarily after the helicopter then slowly continued on a westerly course, accelerating at a high rate of speed, clear of Mansfield Airport. It turned 55 degrees... Captain Coyne indicated the ultimate red A1000. So it's suggesting that they rose in the sky. It's not suggesting that anything made them do that. They might have just lost... He'd cut the powder dive, though. Hmm. Maybe they hit an air pocket. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big air pocket. Right, official report then. So we have their account and their report... For me, what would really make this believable is if we had eyewitness accounts. Okay, accounts other than the four. Yeah. Terry Hamilton was a 15-year-old kid riding home with his dad when they saw a big ball of light come down from the sky before quickly moving upwards and out of sight. Hamilton is now a member of MUFON's Ohio chapter. Sounds like a cult. (laughs) and also works for the Ashland County Sheriff's Office. Being able to look into the case, there are a few more eyewitness reports. So two deputies and a photographer were at a woman's property when they saw the object, ducked and crawled away in fear. Another saw it from her back window. When she did, she got down on her knees to pray as she thought it was the end of the world. What? There was also a third of a woman reportedly seeing the object while she was having a picnic. From where she was, she could see windows on the top of it and something moving inside. Hmm. Hamilton has been investigating UFOs for MUFON for over 25 years, and to him, there's been nothing as compelling as what happened that night in 1973. Tom Wharton the president of MUFON of Ohio, along with Hamilton, believed that there's plenty more witnesses who saw something but didn't come forward, simply because of how they may have been perceived for coming forward due to the times. Right. So... Left. 
the lady having the picnic mm-hmm. saw a big object in the sky with windows and something moving inside. Apparently so. This thing was, did you say 60 feet or something? Yep. She's got bloody good eyesight, hasn't she? she to has. see one thing moving inside for a window like 30,000 feet in the air. Hmm. It feels like Hamilton is not throwing away his shot. He is doing all he can to try and prove that it was an extraterrestrial event rather than looking at the statements in detail and seeing if there's other explanations. Yeah, I get that. And why are people allowed to speak freely about this one? I don't know. Because before they've been... uh... The amount of cover-ups and Mm -hmm. people not able to talk about things, yet this one... Seems pretty extreme, and yet they're happy for people to just talk about it. Something feels amiss. Maybe they thought people wouldn't believe them. Maybe. These weren't the only witnesses. Jim Carver was with his brother Bill when Bill noticed lights in the distance. The sun was setting at the time. Jim, Bill and their dad took turns looking through the binoculars. What they witnessed was three lights, with the middle light moving around not just moving but as if it was dancing in the sky with speed and precision the colours were different too reds, greens and white lights were seen blinking constantly whilst Jim was watching he saw the smaller object in the centre merge with the larger one to the right Bill then shouted it's moving It was moving closer to their neighbourhood. So they all went outside to have a look and were joined by their neighbours. Jim, however, got bored of standing there, so got in his car and drove in the direction it was heading, which was towards Mansfield, to get himself a better look. The decision to drive to get a better look would prove costly as he would go on to miss one of the most prolific UFO events in history. In history? In history. In history. History. <laughs> or his story. Mmm. Mmm. History. So they saw two objects merge. <clears throat> How the hell do you explain that? Oh, that wasn't in the other accounts. A smaller craft going into a larger one. Like a mothership. Mm-hmm. So which craft was flying over the helicopter? The mothership or the bubba ship? The mother ship. There's still nothing to say that this is extraterrestrial, though. This could equally be military tech they're testing. Mansfield is an airport, isn't it? So, like a military airport? Don't know. Because the Maybe helicopter was climbing, climbing, flying to Cleveland. From Mansfield? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they've just gone over it or through it. Hmm. Okay. So, several witnesses on the ground. His family witnessed the moment the craft shot towards the helicopter. Everyone on the ground expected a mid-air collision. Jim was a few blocks away driving north. He stopped his car once he noticed the UFO above the trees. He could see the green light out in front white light and a red light on the rear 
Jim describes seeing a 60 foot long dark grey metallic looking object which looked like a stogie. Jim just sat there marvelling at it. He said that it made no sound at all. Interesting. He says suddenly the UFO shot off and literally in seconds it was the size of a star in the distance. Then soon he explains a small squadron of military jets appeared and then flew away. Ooh, that's more like what we're expecting. We also have statements from Jesse, who verifies the story and also gives us a little bit more. For instance, the magnetic compass never worked properly after the incident. He also says that if Coyne hadn't made the drastic manoeuvre of dropping the helicopter, there would have been a collision. And a picture was also drawn after the event, which I have there for you. Yeah, I'm just checking out this picture. And it was drawn by one of the crew, I believe. So this picture looks more like your typical UFO dish with um, the bulb area in the middle. As we've said before, looking at it from a certain angle, it does look cigar-shaped. Mm-hmm. Like a stogie. <laughs> 50 to 60 feet in length. So they're saying that it would always move the way it is facing. I wouldn't say always, but that's... Oh, that's the, what the, the diagram says. Yeah, that Direction, of, direction movement, of movement, and that would explain... Well, that would make more sense. I don't get the green light. I wanna, Tractor beam? But then, did it tractor them, or did it control them? Why would it do that? Maybe it's a type of electromagnetic beam. That's why they had no control over... Well, I assumed this craft, if there's no obvious exhaust would likely be moving through the electromagnetosphere like manipulating whether it's space time gravity electromagnetism or what some sort of force to fly without fumes i can't think what it would be trying to achieve with this green light or why maybe it was scanning them maybe maybe it was a bunch of joyriding aliens <laughs> they were just dicking about with them but then who are we to know what they want to do or achieve? Okay. Yeah. I. It's an intriguing story thus far, and there's not a lot to pick at. Like the event that's happened is kind of straightforward, not to downplay it at all, because I've got no idea what it is at this point. But there's nothing that's happened that is either mind-blowingly, convincingly off-world technology or mind-blowingly stupid definitely didn't happen. Yeah. Nothing... If It sounds really weird, but if someone told you this, you would believe them. They've not gone too far into the realms of ridiculous. Yeah, like, at this point, I'm not questioning whether something happened. I'm questioning whether it's military technology or not. So Rene Bouchard saw something in Galleon about an hour earlier, but she doesn't know exactly what she saw either. She says there had been lots of sightings in the weeks and days before that, and she and her brother went out into the field behind their house and started watching the sky. They saw a bunch of stuff in the sky, but remarked that it wasn't anything spectacular, 
then for some reason they either looked down or away and then they saw a bright white light as bright as the sun and it scared them shitless so much so that they ran for two blocks until they got home I don't know how long a block is in America like you hear it a lot like yeah, it's five blocks this a way a couple of minutes isn't it but I have no idea what that is I should look it up but I can't bother to I always thought it's like what you I oh, maybe we don't have quite the same terminology here but say you've got two roads that block between the two roads would be the block so but it might then, be a big giant building like a bunch of flats or whatnot i don't know but they ran for two blocks just not something you're taught on this side of the world <laughs> so to summarize ah uh, that's it <laughs> this is a tough one we have an incident in which an army helicopter had a near mid-air collision with a ufo it was spotted and then headed straight for them. They made an emergency manoeuvre to avoid the crash, but then braced for impact. But the craft stopped abruptly and hovered in front of the helicopter before shining a light inside it. As the UFO left, they thought they were going to crash, but found they were higher up than when they started. When they got control of the helicopter again, they flew to Cleveland and the crew made their report. We also have witnesses from the ground. Some that were shit scared by what they saw and others that chased it down to try and get a better view of it. Coyne was also allowed to speak about the event at a UN summit and wasn't hampered by the government. So, Grables, what's your verdict? I don't understand how they're able to talk so freely about this one when, for example, Randlesham or Roswell were clamped down upon. Mm-hmm. And like even in modern times, like the Nimitz, it's taken more than a decade for that shit to come to light. With the information at hand, I find myself having the same debate as I had with Roswell, in that I would be equally satisfied that it would be extraterrestrial or experimental military tech. I don't feel like there's enough information here to definitively say what that green light was, for example. So I guess it comes down to whether I want to stick my reputation on the line and say that a case that could well be earthbound was aliens. So I want to stick my reputation on the line (laughs) and say that it was aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. We have Kev has said <laughs> this is aliens. You heard it and he can't take it back now. So for <laughs> me, there's something off about the witnesses on the ground, especially the ones from Hamilton. I think some of the witnesses he found aren't necessarily true, but it was aliens. I think he saw something and is just so desperate to prove that what he saw was real and is latching on to anything. I also believe the pilots too. There's just something about it that I believe. So for me, this is Aliens. What's this one even called? Um, Coin 
incident or coin UFO? Incident? I feel like it should be more well known. The case itself sounded familiar, but Can it I wasn't what I thought it was. We have a double, but it was aliens. <laughs> And we've not even made a big deal about it. We're just so like, why the fuck is this not? It's a funny one, though. Like, for all that happened there. It's not too elaborate to be ridiculous. Yeah, but why isn't there more information out there on it? Why aren't people talking about this one? Like, people talk about, as I said, things like Roswell almost religiously. Yet you've got this little one floating around that... Could possibly actually be true. Yeah. Not that we didn't say Roswell was. Oh, no. Just, that intrigues me. I want to know more about this one now. (laughs) Well, this is all I could find. There was a five-minute YouTube video, Mm -hmm. but it pretty much goes over what I said. And the guy in it is also talking about other events, which I may use at another point. Okay. So, thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. As always, I have been Moonwalker, and he has been Greybulls. Remember, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. the truth is up there. You're not even going to plug our... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we might have a Patreon, but you have to look, for it, look it up for yourself. I mean, if I do it at the end of every one, it just gets boring and you switch off at the end of every one. The truth is up there. (laughs) Hash tag. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) and Patreon. But it was aliens. Peace.